Amen. Thank you. See, we're so glad to see you this morning. And if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. And while you're turning there, we're going to start this morning with uh, audience participation. I know all of your favorites. So I want you to think of the best piece of advice or maybe the most important lesson that you learned from your mother. Okay. So who wants to go first? Leslie. Okay, choose your battles. That's probably good advice. Mother-in-law is a wise woman. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? All right, be kind to people. Somebody said something. Don't back talk me. Okay, yeah, that's always wise advice. Uh, All right, hers was you want to get slapped. Uh, <laughs> if the so I think if the answer was no, that meant stop what you were doing. Okay. Phil says, Mom told him if you're going to shoot it, you better eat it. So. Okay, respect your elders. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Those are all good lessons that uh, mamas like to teach. But we all would be in big trouble, and, and I'm thankful for uh, the mothers that God gave us um, and those that uh, are not natural mothers, but that God gave us uh, to help us, uh, whether it's adoptive mothers or God mothers or uh, whatever um, the case may be. Uh, but mothers uh, just have that idea when we think of mothers of nurturing and teaching uh, their children. Now, it is the responsibility of both parents, by the way, uh, but it seems like the mom is the one that gets the, the bulk of that duty, uh, and so some important lessons. Well, this morning, I want to say that mom says, watch your heart. Uh, as we look at uh, Jesus uh, teaching his disciples here in uh, Mark chapter 7, uh, some folks are coming to try to trap him. Uh, and mom will, wise moms will tell you, listen, not everybody that says they're your friend is your friend. Uh, so watch, watch out. Oh, yeah, it, children's, I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, thank you, everyone wants to go. I think I want to go today. Uh, and uh, they've got a special craft that they're going to build for moms, so... Um, Thank you for reminding me, Brother Bill. Uh, and so we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 7, uh, and we're going to read verses 1, 2, through 23. It says, The Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having some from, come from Jerusalem. And now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with, uh, with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, 
they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from uh, the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men, that washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profits you might be received from me is Corban, that is a gift from God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. And many such things you do. When he had called all of the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And so he said to them, Are you thus without understanding? Also, do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, and adulteries, and fornications, and murders, and thefts, and covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile a man. So Jesus' teaching here first to uh, crowds that included some Pharisees that were trying to trick him and trap him, uh, and then... Uh, to large crowds of just people that were seeking after him, and then to his uh, inner circle, to the 12 uh, disciples. But he's trying to get across an important lesson, and that important lesson is that your heart matters. And friends, I want you to know today on this Mother's Day that there is a war for the hearts, not only of you, but of your children and of your family. And unfortunately, it is a war that we, by large, are losing because we're not fighting effectively. The Pharisees thought that the secret to being holy and avoiding uh, the sin and all the downfall of, of this world 
was by keeping tradition. And that by keeping their traditions and their laws, and there is some law that God expects us, there's some behaviors that God expects his people to follow. There's some things he expects his people to avoid. But by the time of the first century, Jesus' day, these Pharisees had added so many rules and laws and regulations You could fill a bookshelf full of all the things that they had added. Some of them probably were good and had a reason. Probably every single one of us grew up here, and when we'd come to the supper table, mom said the same thing to all of us. We had different moms, but they all said the same thing. Did you wash your hands? Go. It wasn't that mom was trying to be an ogre. It was that she, did, she wanted you to have clean hands and you know, knew that you'd been out playing in the dirt and you know, doing, doing stuff. Um, but this wasn't just mere hand washing. This was you know, ceremony that they went through and extra steps and uh, they you know, said certain things while they were washing it. So it had become this elaborate tradition or procedure that had absolutely no uh, standing or start in Scripture. But the Pharisees and others that, you know, were trying to follow, you know, they added and added and added. And by adding and adding and adding, they missed the point of what God was trying to get them to understand. Because you see, it's never been about the external things. It's been about the heart. And if our heart was connected to the heart of God, or whether it wasn't. Because you see, when your heart is connected to God, your heart seeks after the things of God. And if you're seeking after the things of God, guess what you're not seeking after? the things that go against God, the things of this world, the things that are evil. And by the way, it wasn't just one or two sins. There's a pretty long list, and it's a pretty varied list that Mark includes in this listing. And so I think there's some important lessons that Jesus is trying to get his disciples and Pharisees and the crowds to understand And I think it still is something we have to understand as we fight uh, this battle for our hearts and the hearts of our children. And the first is this, that tradition does not trump Bible. They had gotten to the point where there were so many external things that it was almost as if God's Word had gotten lost. And they couldn't remember what God's Word said. Well, what do you think... God intent, do you think he's more concerned about that we follow traditions that man came up with or we know his word? He's much more concerned that we know his word and what he said. And Jesus chides the Pharisees and said, listen, you try to be holy and you, you know, give off the, this uh, holier-than-thou aura about you and think you're so great when the reality is God doesn't even know you. And the things that you're doing, God is not pleased with. It it seems 
more and more prevalent here lately that churches are splitting and, you know, there's fighting among Christians. And, you know, it's usually not about God's Word. Now, we always ought to stand on God's Word, and God's Word is worth fighting over. And I tell you, the color of carpet is not something we're fighting over. And whether there's drums in church, not worth fighting over. Whether women have long hair or short hair or wear pants or dresses or men wear neckties or... Those things are silly. They're tradition things. And in the grand scheme of eternity, they don't matter one bit. But do you know what does matter? The person's living their life for God. And if they've been changed because they found a relationship with God, and because of that relationship, their heart has been changed and made new. That's what matters. And Satan, by the way, knows that's what matters. But he knows if he keeps our eyes on tradition and what we've always done and keeps our eyes off of God's Word... God's not going to transform. He's not going to be able to do a lot of things. That means God's people aren't going to be able to do what God wants them to do because they're too busy fighting over silly traditions. We make mountains out of mohills, and we major in minors. That's human nature what man's been doing since the beginning and we'll do it until Jesus comes back and makes us new. And this old world that's full of sin passes away. But understand that tradition does not trump the Bible. If you want to know what God says, read His Word. He's told you. He's revealed Himself. And here's the thing. Most of this book It's not confusing. It's not secret. It's not written in some kind of Bible code that you have to have a preacher to help you decipher. For the most part, it's pretty clear. All we have to do is read it. And then live it. Understand this, church, never move on. Satan knows every word that's in this book. He knows it better than you do. He knows it better than I do. And by the way, he knows the end. He knows his days are short. As I tell you, that's why he's working so hard to try to steal your heart and the hearts of our children. It's not a matter of knowing God's Word. It's a matter of living it. Now, don't get me wrong, you can't live it if you don't read it. But just merely reading it doesn't do you near the good that it could if you'll live it. And so remember that tradition never trumps the Bible. Jesus also wants us to understand the second important truth. It is important that we are careful what we digest. Some would say that Jesus is saying, you know what, it really doesn't matter what you eat. 
And I think the point that he was making, you know, there were some that were so concerned, you know, does this meal have pork in it? Where did this come from? Who made it? Jesus made the point, that's not what matters. But you see, for something to come out of your heart, it has to be put in there. And so, Jesus, the point that he's trying to make the three times that he says the same thing, because us as human beings, we're hard-headed sometimes, and we have to hear things over and over and over before it finally sinks in. He'd already said this twice, and his disciples come, and they ask him about it again. He says, what is going on with you numbskulls? Do you not understand? But he tells them again. And the point that Jesus is trying to make, it matters what you put into your life. If you fill your life and you surround your life with unholy things and evil things and things that displease God, guess what's going to happen? Your life is going to be full of evil and unholiness and God's not going to be pleased with your life. Because that's what you've surrounded yourself with. That's what you are taking in. Now, I know there's lots of people that like to say it doesn't matter the music that we listen to, the TV shows that we watch, the games that we play. None of those things impact us. That is a great lie from the pit of hell. It does matter, friend, what you listen to and what you watch and what you play. And let me tell you, if you watch it, listen to it, and play it, don't get upset when your children do it. Because they're going to follow your example. And if it's not okay for them to play it or say it or do it, it ain't all right for you to do it either. It matters. Those things impact us. We are living in a world and a culture that thinks life does not matter. Why? Because that's what we've told our culture. We've games that teach them to steal and to kill. And young people, they they don't realize. They've been so desensitized to violence. And let me tell you, it's not just kids and adults too. We are so desensitized to violence. When we read about people getting shot or run over, you know, bombs going off, and it, it doesn't faze us anymore. We barely listen or take notice because our world is so full of evil. But here's the thing, the point that Jesus is making. There's nothing that goes in your mouth as an adult that somebody else forced you to eat. Anything that goes in this mouth down to your belly, you put there. And the things that you listen to and watch and play, you put them there. Every television, every game system, every radio comes with a button. Guess what it is? It's a power button. You can turn it off. 
Or you know what? If you're watching it and something not good comes on, guess what? There's a little button on that remote. It goes up and down. You can change the channel. And I agree, there's not a whole lot worth watching on television these days. There's just not. Are there some good things? Yeah, there's some good things. But there's a lot of bad stuff too. And here's the thing. You ought to have sense enough to know the difference between the good stuff and the bad stuff. And maybe one good test is, would I watch this if Mama was sitting here watching it with me? And if the answer is no, you probably shouldn't be watching it. But you see, not only do you have to have common sense, but if you're a child of God, God gives you something else. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. And say, you know what? That's not good for you. You probably shouldn't watch it. You probably shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't be going there. So I think God gives us common sense and he gives us the Holy Spirit, but we still find ourselves in trouble making bad choices. Why? Because we're constantly digesting stuff that's not good for us. And here's the thing, you don't need me, you don't need your preacher to tell you what's good and what's bad for you. You know. Now if you do have some trouble, you come, I'll give you my opinion. But most of the time, you know. You can figure it out for yourself. If you can't figure it out, the Holy Spirit will prod you and tell you. Understand, friend, it is important we are careful what we digest. And what you digest, you be sure your children and the children around you, even if they're not yours, are digesting as well. You know what? Mom and Dad say this is okay. They listen to it. It's okay. Or aunt or uncle do this. Or Sunday school teacher does it. And so it's important that we watch what we digest. Because when we put garbage in, rest assured, friend, garbage is going to come out. And garbage that's had a lot of perfume smell spilled on it. Still garbage. So perhaps we need to heed Paul's admonition in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Listen, God has made some beautiful music. And He's given people great imaginations that come out with good stories in movies and in television. So I'm not saying you have to turn the TV off, you have to turn the radio off and just be quiet and pray all day and stay in a monastery. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is use your common sense and use the Holy Spirit and understand little eyes and little hearts are watching what you're digesting and what you're doing. 
Think on the good things. And stay away from the trash. I tell you, there is a problem that our kids and that are growing up right now have. And they're fighting this. But can I tell you, the problem is not with these kids. The problem started two or three generations ago. And we laughed about it and didn't take it seriously. And so now we see the results of that. But can I tell you, with Jesus Christ, there's still hope for this generation and future generations. Because Jesus Christ can change hearts. And I so am glad that he can. So it's important we're careful about what we digest. And then lastly, I want to remind us that exercise is required for a healthy spiritual heart. You have to read between the lines of what Jesus is preaching and teaching here. What he wants us to understand is that if we want godly things to come out of our life, we've got to put godly things in our life. So it's not only the things that we watch and listen to and play, but it means that we exercise, we practice spiritual disciplines, like reading our Bible and praying, going to church, fasting. You know, the Bible talks about all kinds of different spiritual exercises that help us to grow closer. Are we saved by doing those things? Absolutely not. But we do those things because we are saved. And we want to grow closer to God. Probably most of us, when we go to the doctor, it's like they should just have a recording Maybe a sign up on their wall so they don't have to say it every time we go to visit. What do they say? Stop smoking, lose weight, eat less fat and salt. It's the same thing every time you go to the doctor. And sometimes not even, you know, the heart, you know, the heart doctor. You go to the general doctor, he says the same thing. You go to the heart doctor, he says it. You go to the eye doctor, they say it. You know, they all say it. Why did we have to keep hearing that message? Because we as Americans, we eat the worst food possible. We fill our stuff with so much sugar and salt and so much of our food. You look at the packages, there's so many words. Most of them you can't even pronounce. And you surely don't have any idea what any of it is. And I'm of that same opinion you are. Hey, listen, I don't care what it is. It tastes good. That's what I care about. But here's the thing. If we want our, our physical heart to be healthy, we have to do the right things to exercise it and to keep it healthy. We fill it with a bunch of fat. We fill our bodies with Guess what? That fat's going to go to our heart and stop it up. And it don't take a rock science to figure out what happens when your blood vessels get stopped up. Some of you know firsthand. They've got to go in and rotor-rooter those bad boys. And if they can't rotor a rooter, they crack your chest open and make a new highway around. But here's the thing. The same is true of our spiritual heart. We cannot fill our spiritual heart with evil, wicked, worldly things and the absence of spiritual things and the absence of spiritual exercise and expect it to be healthy. 
you know, those doctors that tell you those things, those four or five things that they want you to stop doing or start doing. Or and I tell you, they don't ask you if you've done those things. Why not? Because they can tell. You see, blood work doesn't lie. And your weight doesn't lie. Your blood pressure doesn't lie. And so they've looked at all of these signs. And they say, you know what, I know. I need to remind this yo-yo patient of mine. This is what you're supposed to be. Eat, eat better. You'll feel better and you're, you'll live longer. You lose five or ten pounds. You know, you eat more salad. Eat more baked stuff. You know, if it's fried and got batter on it, it's not healthy for you, even though it's good. And we sure do like to eat it. It's not healthy for us. Well, can I tell you that God can tell that he doesn't have to ask how your spiritual heart is. Because he's got the numbers. And if you're living close to him, that doesn't mean you're perfect. By the way, this side of heaven, you never get perfect but you should be changed. And you should sense that God is working and you're closer to him today than you were yesterday and a year ago and five years ago. There should be this continual progress so that when we get to heaven, it's no big change. We just change addresses because we've been practicing living for and with the Lord here. And so when we get to eternity, hey, we've just changed addresses. But understand, if you do not put in the spiritual exercises, you will not have a healthy spiritual heart. And friend, can I tell you, God intends for you to. And if you're going to win the war that Satan is waging, not only for your heart, but for your children's heart and your grandchildren's heart, you better make sure your heart's healthy. Because if it's not, you're not going to win the battle. But praise God, with God's help, when we're exercising spiritually, our spirit grows. The Bible admonishes us to grow in godliness. Well, how do we do that? We do godly things. And we're careful about the things we listen to, the things that we watch, the things that we play. I think Jesus would enjoy a good baseball game. I think he'd enjoy going seeing the Mississippi Braves play a good game. I think he'd enjoy fishing. In fact, I know he enjoys fishing. He did it. He enjoys boating. He might enjoy some good country music. There's a lot of bad country music too, but there's some good. Here's the thing. He knows the difference because his heart is connected to the Father. And when your heart is connected to the Father, you'll know the difference too. And the more you practice godliness, the more godly you become. Not so that you can say, hey, look how great I am. If that's your attitude, you're going in the opposite direction of godliness. You're going away from it. But your increased level of godliness says to God, says to the world, and says to yourself, hey, 
I'm not where I ought to be, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be. God's made a difference. He's made a change in my life. And if you want people to be able to say, you know what, and you want them to say and want them to know that God can change their heart, you let them see God changed your heart. The greatest sermon and the sermons that change people's lives are not from the pulpits like this one. They're sermons preached by a changed life. By someone that God has once was a beggar and once was torn and ragged. And God has made him a child of the king. Because you see, they can pick apart my preaching. And there are people that pick apart God's word, but they cannot argue with the way that God has changed your life. They can't argue with, listen, I know I once was lost, but now I know I'm found. Can't argue with that. And you can't explain that away. The only thing that can change you is not your willpower, and it's not, you know, deciding you're going to do better. It's by allowing God to change your heart and then to guard your heart and to strengthen your heart. Let's pray again, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, as we've been reminded, well, we are in a war. We're in a war for our spiritual hearts. God, the enemy is seeking after our own hearts and the hearts of our children and the hearts of future generations. And Lord, this world seems honestly like it's getting darker and darker and darker. The only thing, Lord, that can change that is you. Lord, if there's someone here today and their heart has not been changed, God, would you give them a heart transplant today? Would you help them to see that you've offered them new life and new hope? and Help them to receive that great gift today. And Lord, maybe there's some of your children here today that are saved, but Lord, they have been filling themselves with the worst junk imaginable. And wondering why you're not working in their life and why their life is such a mess. Lord, oftentimes we find ourselves in difficulty because of our own choices. Because we've not trusted you and we're not walking according to your way. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that needs to cry out like David did, Lord, forgive me. And restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, maybe it's just been a reminder for us to be so careful about what we digest. And that we practice the spiritual disciplines of faith. Not so that we can be saved, but because we are. Lord, we need you to win this war. Without you, it really is hopeless, but with you, it's glorious and victory is assured. We have the end of the book and we know how the story ends. God, help us to determine today in this place that we're going to do all that we can with your help to fill our lives with godly things. 
so that we might hear you and know you better. And so that others may, because we know you better, they'll come to know you. Help us with that great reality of the gospel that you will save whosoever will. God, help us to be about your business. Help us to live our life in a way that honors and pleases you. Help us to live our life by your word, not by the tradition of men. So that when we stand before you, we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand together. We'll just sing a short little hymn of invitation. If God spoke into your heart, and there's a decision you need to make, today would be a great day for you to make that decision.